Hello. Hello. There we are. Are it's we picking us on? up? We oh, oh, are. Oh, oh. <laughs> Alrighty. It's a giant sweaty ball. How are ya? Lovely. That's good. How was your week? Uh, it was. It was good. It went um fast again. But anyway, Allie left. I'm sad. Are you yeah, sad? I am sad. Allie left. I had Aiden's friend Zach staying at my house. I had Allie for the summer. I had Zach off and on. I'm gonna be burping. Yes. <laughs> By the way, guys, we're drinking micheladas again because it's summer and it's just so refreshing. And it's the middle of the week. It's not our usual end of the week um, podcast recording because I'm going to San Diego. I'm going to hide in their luggage. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I think I should go and then I'll just like every time like you guys take a picture of each other, I'll pop in I'll, like what do they call it? Photobomb. <laughs> and I'll scream. <laughs> feel like hey, did you go for? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did that just get brighter or is it just me? I think it just got brighter in here. Why? Okay. <laughs> oh, <don't freak> <laughs> so we were testing out a few things. A spirit box. We we're trying to find a good app. By the way, if anybody knows a good app out there, let us know before our San Carlos podcast recording. Because it's not enough that I can talk, feel, <laughs> right. hear. Yeah, we want to make it as bad people. We spooky need to, as possible. Well, it's not fun unless we can all hear right. what they're saying. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Good point. Oh. So, yeah, we were downloading a few apps and a few beers. <laughs> <laughs> and we were playing with them. And some of them are just downright, downright, downright creepy. Uh. Downright creepy. <laughs> That's what beer will okay, do. Okay, LMA. Yeah. <gasps> oh my. What? Okay. Just go. Okay. Listen, a few creepy things were coming up on this little gizmo that we were playing with. Yeah. The word felon. What was for yours that you were like, oh my gosh. Mistress. Yes. <laughs> Mistress. So I wonder. Uh, I don't know. That one seemed the most plausible right there. And that then we were you just, just said... Did you say LMA? LMA. 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 The name on mine, there's a Jenna May or Jenny May or I don't know. Um, I can't remember the little girl's name. One of those. But it's a May. Down south names. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you said you had some interesting things happening this week. Spooky things that you couldn't wait to talk about until we're on the podcast. Okay, so I was debating if I should... So while I was trying to find my story that I wanted to do, I was like, should I just, that did not sound good. (laughs) But you know, it was the paper, right? Sure, Carly. (laughs) It definitely sounded like I wonder if that came through. No, it's hysterical. I'm going to put on the paper so we don't have another one of those. Anyway. Anyhow, so I was looking at all these YouTubes and reading stories, and I was like, you know, I should just do it on my house. I should just tell people stories and things. I don't want to scare people from coming to see me, but just do it on my house. And then as I was found this one story, I was like, nope, I'm going to do it on this. But the story before that I was going to do it on, it's like a short one. So I thought, my original thought was I would do it on 
that one little short story and then I would tell you guys about creepy stuff in my house. Well, I had some clients come uh, like the day before yesterday or whatever and we're sitting and this isn't that unusual, but to have my clients, my clients will usually hear like the lights will flicker or they'll hear like a little, you know, little sounds like that or a creak or, you know, just whatever. But this day, I'm talking away, and I'm the only one there besides my clients. Nobody else is home. The cat, I think she was with us. She might have been in my room, but my bedroom door was shut. Anyway, regardless, we're talking, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about their spirit family, giving them validation, and all of a sudden you hear a squeaky door. Oh, wow. And we're like, I stop, and I was like, did you guys just hear what I hear? And they were like, yeah. And I'm like, so that really was like a door opening, right? And they were like, yes. So I, I'm like, okay. So I just play it off. Like, nah, it's no big deal. It happens every day. <laughs> it does happen often, but not usually with my people there. Usually if I'm by myself. Right. And so we continue talking and we hear it again. And I think at this point we might have even heard like the actual door shut. And I was like... Just so you all know, I'm here by myself. Like, it's just me and you guys. Nobody's back there. Oh, and previous to that, I had jokingly said to them, because I kept going into my room, like, to use my bathroom, and I'd come out with all this great information. I'm like, wow, there are chatterboxes back there. We should go in my room and do the session. Right? Because it sounded a little creepy the way I said it. And even in my head, I was like, oh, my God. They're thinking you're propositioning them to go in your room. Who? What has she got in the room? A torture room? Oh, she's okay. Well, she's digging you both have a of swing us. in there. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, but so after they left, I got ready for bed. You know, did my clearing, whatever, chilled out. And as I was getting ready for bed and just kind of watching TV, you hear the door like legit slam shut. And I was like, that is not my imagination. Like somebody, so I got up, I went and looked. All of my doors are exactly how I left them. The kids' bedroom doors are open and my bedroom was open. So no doors shut or whatever. So I went to bed and I was like, I couldn't get this, the sister of one of the women off of my brain. So I had to text them you know, call me. This is, I need you to call me. So I told her, even after you guys left, my doors were still opening and closing, slamming. Right. So I told her what was on my mind message I had to give to her. And she said, well, Carlene, just so you know, my sister was a huge temper tantrum thrower and she slammed doors all the time. Oh, wow. And I'm like, well, there you go. Got tingly on my head. (laughs) She's probably here. That's crazy. Yeah. So were you guys talking about something maybe she didn't want to... I think... Was she part of the message? Yeah, I think it was probably because I wasn't translating a message correctly and she was... I don't think she was irritated. I think she was just giving me a sign that her sister would recognize. Oh, okay. And so then she just stayed with me until I... It was something about how she departed that I needed to get correct. Right. So once they left and I got my thoughts in order, because sometimes that happens. <laughs> Woo! Anyway, <laughs> when I ask you to pull my finger, we'll have a problem. <laughs> 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 
anyway. I see you looking at my finger like you're waiting for me to do this. I am. I'm totally waiting for it. (laughs) (laughs) But anyhow, yeah. I mean, and like I, I think I've said before in our previous podcast that how, like, since the kids have been gone, I hear more chitter chatter and more noises. Does that freak you out? No, I like I I like having them around so it doesn't bother me. Okay. You know what would bother me more to hear like thumping in the night would bother me more than just hearing chitter right. chatter or like a door open and close. When I was first getting my energies cuz I've done this since I was like I can't remember not having this, but right. when it was to where I was going to be helping other people except for I didn't know that's where it was going. I remember I was seeing this lady and she was kind of warning me that there was like if light wants you so to start and I didn't know I mean I grew up in a toxic house so we had lots of weird things that would happen in our house like pictures falling off the wall or did I tell you about the time like we went out of town my mom would send us to California to visit our dad for the summer we would be gone for weeks and then all of a sudden at 3 a.m my stereo would just crank up blaring loud and wake her up oh (laughs) wow And I was like, they were trying to get your attention for a while. Trying to get her attention. Oh. Yeah. She would tell me about it. And I'm like, it's not an alarm. Right. It's a stereo. Like, it just would go off. Right. But anyway, and I'm sure back then, I mean, you literally had to turn a knob. Yeah. You had, had an eight track. The right. Whole, yeah, I'm old. Oh, so why I remember. <laughs> because I, I'm old too. Thank God you didn't say, what's up? <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so I just did what I always criticize people on talk shows for doing. Where they go, yeah, but no. Uh, So anyway. (laughs) They can say, yeah, no. I hear myself doing that. Like, sometimes you're talking about something. There was something on the last episode, but when I was listening to it in playback, I totally didn't even hear your, like, segue or what you were saying. Like, I just kept on going, and I was like, oh, my God, I totally missed a perfect opportunity. (laughs) Oh, that's okay. I missed the limp, limp, limp. <laughs> Vagina. But, you know, yeah. Broken cherry. <laughs> Hymen. 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 Anyway, but yeah, so uh, that was sounded that sounded so weird. <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, so I when I was first, it was first getting, well, okay, so when... I had a roommate. We had a two-story. We lived on the second story of this, like, fourplex. And it was me and my best friend. So we're on the top floor. There's no balconies, no, you know, except for where we go out, the stairs. But so our windows, there's no way you could see anybody walking by because there was no walkway or anything. Right. And so (laughs) she will still tell people to this day about seeing shadows going by our windows. Uh Uh-huh. And that was just some of the freaky stuff that my roommates would have to deal with in dealing with living with me. Or like when I would call in and I'd go, our floor, like, because my bed would be vibrating. It still does. It's just all that energy that could be working with me or hanging out with me. And so my bed would just be shaking. And so she, we li- literally went next door and had to ask the neighbors next door if their floor was shaking also. Of course it wasn't. It's crazy. It's or like I had a, I collect clowns and I had a picture of a clown in my bathroom and just the frame came off the wall. Not the whole picture, just the frame popped off. So before you knew what was going on, 
Did it freak you out? Was there a point where it ever... It never scared me or anything because I think, I mean, I kind of knew. I knew what was going on. I just didn't know it was going to develop into this. I mean, I knew that I we were going to get a call that somebody died. I knew what the signal was for that. And I knew that people kind of gravitated towards me and I could tell them things, but I didn't know how I knew. I just thought it was a... Intuition. Yeah, you know, yeah like I just know people. <laughs> <laughs> but I did know I had something. I just didn't know that it was going to be this cool. But, and then my mentor, Holly was like validating that there was something not very nice (laughs) around and only when my kids would go to their dads I hear the boom 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 on my walls but like I have vaulted ceilings right you've seen that right so it would be like way up high bam 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 and so she would tell me like well negative attention wants attention too so if you give it attention then it's gonna stay and feed off of that but it's not like the movies where it's gonna like do something bad to you. Right. And so I just remembered what she said. Okay, I'll just ignore it. It can't hurt me because the God energy, that light that's surrounding me is much stronger than the darkness. And so I just banked on that and it was fine. It all went away. Got bored. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now like nothing can break that barrier. Nothing can come in because I'm super protected. Like that whole house, ha- my whole house is protected. I'm protected. I don't take that for granted. I don't just walk around going, I'm protected. I don't have to do anything. Right. I have to keep up on myself, but I'm protected. So like if people came, you know, when people come to my house, what do they say? Like, what do you feel when you come to my house? It's just good. It's good energy. Yeah. People usually are like, it just feels so welcoming and cozy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why I was like, I could go on and on and on with freaky-ass stories. (laughs) There was one time my son's friend was staying with us, and they're both about 16 years old, so they're grown boys. And he was sleeping on our hide-a-bed in the front room at the time, and Connor's in his room, and all of a sudden you hear, Connor, dude, dude, is that you? And then you hear, whoosh, 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 he follows what he thought was Connor to the kitchen. Right. Only to realize. It wasn't. It wasn't. Like a shadow. It was a full apparition that had just like faded into the garage. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's family. <laughs> they live in the garage. <laughs> that's where they hang out. They belong on a picture that is in the garage that, yeah, they're, it's all good. They're not going to hurt you. He's like, I'm not going back up there. So I had two full-grown boys sleeping in my bed with me one at the foot of my bed and one yeah it was hysterical hilarious 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 sweaty balls well we're probably gonna be a little bit more subdued than (laughs) last week because we were or less was it last week couple weeks ago almost Uh, it wasn't full two weeks we were on one. Yeah. But it's, it was it's good. Like, but it's not a Friday. It's, it's a not Friday. Day. It's we're the middle of the week, like, so it feels like... Uh... And then we think about what well, you get to think about going on vacation. Yes, I, I do. still have... One more day. You know what's great about what I do? I don't ever dread going to work. I don't have to dread, don't dread like, what I'm going to do. I don't dread Mondays. I don't dread Tuesday, Wednesday, unless it's something I don't want to do. But if it's actually like, oh, somebody's going to come to my house tomorrow and I get to do what I love... <laughs> Then I don't, no, I don't dread that. I look forward to that. 
like early. Then I'm like, oh, hell spells. But I, I have still... that feeling a little bit now. <laughs> the early now that thing? I'm doing my, my own thing. Oh, the being happy about getting up? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's a, you know, you're like dragging your way to the shower, but then... I look forward to what I'm going to do. Not There's not very many people. See, doesn't it feel good to yeah, like... Yeah, it does. It feels totally good. Not to feel that dread that Sunday afternoon, about three o'clock where it hits you that, oh God, tomorrow's Monday. I have yeah. to go back to work. And then that drive in, that dreadful drive in on the first day oh. of the week where you're just like, what fresh hell awaits me now? Yeah. <laughs> well, and it, it's empowering for you because... It's your business. You're working towards something for you and your family. Right. So it's it's more empowering that way. If, as long as you always remember that, then I think it's always rewarding. Even on a bad day, you're doing it all for you. There's not somebody above you that you're you're fighting the trenches for somebody above you. You're exactly. fighting the trenches for you and your family. Exactly. Don't miss it at all. Especially when you're fighting, like you're doing great customer service and you're having pride in a company that you work for only to be shit on by a corporation Exactly. Or There's nothing worse than that feeling. Or for people not to see like the value. what you contribute. Yeah. yeah. Like I have so much pride in this company and I'm working really hard as if it's mine. And then when it comes to rewarding me or just being kind to me as an employee, they're not. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of people that. experience that. I feel sad for them. And a lot of times when people quit, then you just have to pick up the slack for those people without any kind of reward or, hey, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for doing that. It's just like, it's your job. All right. Enough of that. Uh, <laughs> depressing. Very d- depressing No, we stuff. might have just inspired somebody. Yeah. We might have just gave somebody the push they needed to tell your boss to fuck oh. off. <laughs> Oh, just make sure you have a job to go to. <laughs> yeah, don't 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 fuck off just yet. No. Uh, yeah. Anyways, so who wants to go first? Me or you? Are you brave enough to go first? Am I? <laughs> Are you brave? Oh my god. <laughs> that was one of the words that came through the voice box. Not brave. Of course I'm brave. Of course. <laughs> We need to have like a filming us for right. those times. Like you were telling everybody, I it was so funny, like how animated I am, and I'm right. like, too bad they can't. The see bonus how people. animated you are. Okay. Well, I mean, they don't need to see that. I kind of, I didn't dress the part today, but yeah, now nah, what I'm are saying. You telling me, no, we don't need to film today. Y'all don't film me today. No, <laughs> I didn't dress appropriate. I didn't dress You're appropriate. wearing black. <laughs> she's lying everybody (laughs) my fingers don't even bend that way all right you know what this middle finger is off it's all fucked up (laughs) mine works (laughs) no it really is I wish people could see what we're doing right now. Wait, no, I can't. We're doing the fishing rod. The fishing rod. Hey, I'm not coordinated enough. Fudge. <laughs> Are you going first or me? I'll go first. Okay, go. If you're not brave. Oh, I am brave. Are you a mistress? <laughs> Are you a brave mistress? Are you going east? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm okay. going west. You're going west? Kinda. I'm going west. 
to the beach. So sick of you bragging about it. That's <sighs> all I could think of this week. Like it's like my motivation. No, I've got a lot done just thinking. Just think on Thursday you're gonna be lying on a beach. <laughs> so lucky. You're really lucky. <laughs> all right. I'm gonna go first. I just did this. But that's better than the snorting we were doing the last <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, And I kept funny. them in. Then I almost missed what? I kept them in. Oh, that was funny. Uh, was it the last one or the one before that? Uh, why? Oh, oh See goodness. what happens when we drink beer? The last time we drank beer, the we'll same like this? thing. Yes. Because oh, you were like, I want to take a nap. Oh, damn. <laughs> and wine usually makes me. Well, I'm more of a wine drinker. Uh, I'm more of a wine drinker. <laughs> I like to drink it wine too. But only, only because beer usually makes me super full. Right. See? A little gassy. Both of us. Yeah. We're we're enclosed in a small room. <laughs> I'll Windows let you are know. closed. Oh Jesus. Doors are closed. Nobody light a match. I'll let you know if we have to evacuate. <laughs> <laughs> and we have poor Shorty here. I don't know if I mentioned it on the last podcast, but um Shorty is with puppies. <laughs> is with puppies we don't know how many but we will know soon they're gonna be cute as f it's gonna take everything for me not to take one she's super clingy lately and now she has milk coming out of her little nipples oh <sighs> okay i'm gonna go yeah hey you should go okay just go it's all right just you go okay unless you want to go go ahead you go you go okay wait <laughs> yeah you go are you sure well go ahead <laughs> We only had one thing up here. <laughs> you should go. Okay. Start. No, it's your turn. <laughs> so, no, you're going to go to California, so you go ahead and go first. You go. <laughs> <laughs> we are obnoxious. We're a little obnoxious. And we're probably the only ones that think that's funny. We are. We have our own little inside jokes going on. <laughs> you should go. Okay, I'm going right now. One, two, three. Right now, right now. Okay. One, two, three. All right. Winnie Ruth Dress. I couldn't even. (laughs) Winnie Ruth Judd. Okay. This is the first time I've read it out loud, so I didn't realize what a tongue twister it is. Winnie Winnie Ruth Ruth Judd. Winnie Ruth Judd. (laughs) Winnie Ruth. Ruth. Winnie. (laughs) (laughs) Winnie Ruth Judd. Winnie Winnie Ruth Judd. Winnie Ruth Judd. Winnie Ruth Judd. Winnie Ruth. Winnie Ruth. Winnie Ruth. Winnie Ruth Judd. Winnie Ruth Judd. Say it fast. Winnie Ruth Judd. Oh, now she can do it. Now I can say Aren't you perfect? Winnie Ruth Judd. Judd. A.K.A. The Trunk Murderess. A.K.A. The Tiger Woman. Yours always has A.K.A.s. I love A.K.A.s. I mean, that is so badass. The Blonde Woman. Butcher. I think I need an AKA. <laughs> Charlene. 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 AKA Charlene. Charlene. AKA Charlene. AKA. AKA the Boom Shakalaka Mistress. <gasps> There's a commercial. Oh my God. I, I, I burped and talked at the same time. There's a commercial now, and the, like the grandma or whatever does a cartwheel or something. She goes, Boom Shakalaka. I'm like, yeah, These people are stealing they've stolen delicious i say delicious i've said it since the beginning of time now everybody says it now they're just stealing my boom shaka <laughs> all right go i i love it they can have it it's fine whatever makes the world happy 
Okay, so Winnie Ruth Judd, born Winnie Ruth McKinnell, was born in 1905 in Darlington, Indiana, the daughter of a very strict Methodist minister. Why is it always the ones that have preacher fathers that are kind of... The strict preacher fathers. Yep. Because they're, they're naughty. They have to act out. Because the preachers, back then especially, they were usually weird. Now these days they're not. I mean, not always. Did you ever have friends that um, their fathers were the, like... Pastor, the... Yeah. Were they the worst ones? They were naughty. They were the ones that were smoking pot, having sex, doing yep. things that I didn't even know what it was. Yep. I have a good friend of mine. Her her dad was, well, we called them elders. Uh so. <gasps> oh my god what <sighs> just don't let me forget write it down i am okay go uh-oh <laughs> <laughs> it floored the shit out of me all right, all right for go. anybody that's just barely listening from this episode back uh background is i grew up as a jehovah witness my mom was jehovah witness and my dad was catholic and it was a very interesting childhood and you'll have to go several episodes back to figure out what that's all about <laughs> anyways okay it explains it all it explains it all <laughs> explains why i'm such a weirdo a weirdo all right well when she was 16 she had an affair with an older man of course she did she probably had daddy issues probably she also lied more on more than one occasion telling her parents that she was pregnant when in fact she was not i mean they went and tested her and everything what the okay now usually a pastor yeah you're like hiding that shit why would she be like flaunting that shit maybe she wanted attention or i guess daddy issues yep mommy and daddy issues and at the age of 19 which i mean for the 1930s doesn't seem so well, I guess this would have been the 20s. She married Dr. William C. Judd or William C. Judd. I don't know if he's actually a doctor. A man, 22 years, her senior. He was like close to 40. Her senior? Senior. <laughs> senior Judd. Your dad's coming out. I know. <laughs> The couple moved frequently looking for work. Their travels took them all over the United States and Mexico. That's exactly why I was saying that. Before settling in Los Angeles, California. William Judd was a morphine addict. So it was not a marriage made in heaven. But from all accounts, it doesn't sound like he was abusive or anything. It was just like he had issues. He just likes his morphine. Yeah. And he had emotional and financial instability, which strained their marriage. Um, and then the couple was living separately by 1930. So what inspired this is I was looking for some stories for down, downtown Phoenix and whatever. And I found something else, but this is interesting. So when he moves to Phoenix. Oh, damn. And Mr. Judd's living in Los Angeles. So they're obviously living separately. Um, unless he can be in two places at once. <laughs> she finds a job as a governess and then lands a job as a secretary at a local at the local Grano Gruno or Grano, I don't know how do you say this, clinic in downtown Phoenix. Wait a minute. Her but her family, her parents, they live in Indi- Indiana. Indiana. And then her and her husband moved to California? Well, they pretty much were all over the place. Oh, okay, they like travel. Yeah, because they were constantly looking for work. Mm. So, okay, um, so he's in California, she's in Phoenix. Yeah. So they, at one point, they lived in Mexico. Oh, right. Yeah. And then they ended up in Los Angeles. That's a jump. And then she gets lands this job as a governess, and then she lands a job as a secretary at this local. 
Grono Clinic, which is in downtown Phoenix, across the street from Good Samaritan. Wait. Have you ever seen that? It's it's a really ornate building front. You, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about if I show you the picture. I used to always think, wow, this the front of this building is beautiful. Across from Good Sam? I have to see it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that... I thought that was part of like... I always thought it was like part of Department of Health Services. Oh, really? What is it? Or something. Gruno Memorial Medical Center. What is it? Gruno Memorial Medical Center. It's still to this day? Yeah. It's beautiful, and the inside is is beautiful, too. And no, I did not know what it was this whole time. I I thought it was like a church or something. I knew it was some sort of clinic because I remember having to take the kids. I'm not sure if it was exactly in that building, but something attached um, to get shots when they were younger. And it's across the street from Goodson. You drove them that far? Did you live out that way? Well, I used to live off of Indian School in 9th Avenue a long time ago. Um, Uh, When it still wasn't that bad of a neighborhood. (laughs) I know. Okay. So during this time, she meets a man named John J. Halloran, known to his friends as Happy Jack. He is a 44-year-old local lumber tycoon, married, and a known philanderer. What? Yeah. She's going to go after a married guy now? Pretty much. Okay. Um, I think she falls for him. Hook, line, and sinker, but he's, he's not, he's... Well, he's welcoming it, so it's not like he's... Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... They uh, develop a friendship with benefits, and during this time, she also befriends Agnes Leroy, known as Anne, who is an x-ray technician at the Grinnell Clinic, and her roommate, get this name, Hedvig. What? Hedvig. Okay, is that part of an asshole, or what is that? Hedvig Samuelson. (laughs) Hyman is the cherry, what's a Hedvig? (laughs) Better known as Sammy. Okay. Isn't Hedvig like one of the owls on Hedwig? Hedwig. On like Harry Potter or something? Yeah. Yeah. And she's a school teacher. It is rumored that the two were lovers. These two ladies. What? Yes. See, people? Let me just explain something to you, honey. (laughs) Preach. Gay, lesbian, homosexuality has been around since the beginning of time. Yes, it has. Go, girl. And Sammy, I guess, had been diagnosed with tuberculosis after she and Anne lived in Alaska. The duo moved to Phoenix, hoping the dry climate would ease the symptoms of her illness. Both Sammy and Anne were also friends with Happy Jack. Happy coincidence. (laughs) Everybody was getting out. That's why he was so happy. And the bungalow that they lived in, that the murders happened in, belonged to Happy Jack. I guess he rented it to them. And for any of you curious people out there, it's 2929, uh, now 2947 North 2nd Street. 2947. That's where the murders happened? That's the place. (gasps) Oh, we need to go. should. So what's over there now? It's a house. Does somebody actually live in it? Um, I think somebody purchased it because it was... Because as I was doing the research, it was going to be demolished. Uh-huh. And somebody realized this was a piece of history. Like, yeah. you know, Gross um, this was a, like one of those murders that captured like the entire nation. Like uh-huh. everybody was enthralled by this. And it was during the time like Bonnie and Clyde and all that stuff right. is going on. So this was like soap operas for people when this shit would happen. Oh, it that's <laughs> there. And if they couldn't afford a TV, right? Because right. there were TVs then. Uh, the no, 40s, probably, 50s. Probably radios. Yeah, there so were radios. They're, they're all sitting next to their radios. <laughs> Listening. Enthralled. Well, I think papers. They all like to read the oh, papers. Yeah, that's true. People read. 
they did. things. They did read. Other than Facebook. <laughs> Flipping. <laughs> now kids are like this. We're on like, a piece scroll, of paper. scroll. My paper isn't moving. Like, are you coming? <laughs> Letter R. Yeah. You. <laughs> What's W-U-T-S? At some point, Ruth ends up moving in with the two women, but soon there's some sort of spat and Ruth ends up getting her own place. And I think what happened was he was friends with all of them. Uh He's supplying them all with bootleg liquor. He's bringing his other married friends that have money and they're all hanging out and some dingling around probably and they're taking them out to dinner whining and dining all these so he it was they had a good thing going yeah for them um and and interestingly enough they're all three women that have careers so they all they all kind of oh, like yeah, bonded over an X-ray that. T- I mean, they're not like bad careers. Yeah, and and a lot of women back then didn't. That wasn't the case either. You had a husband or you lived with your parents. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, it says the men would often give them gifts or money. Okay, so it seems that Anne and Sammy were interested in Jack themselves, and he would often visit visit them without Ruth, which pissed her off. Oh, so yeah. I think that was some of the fuel to the fire. Some of the fuel to the fire, and kind of what makes her decide to move out on her own. And they also start arguing over another woman that Ruth introduced Happy Jack to, Lucy Moore, another nurse. Supposedly, Lucy has syphilis. Um, <laughs> More on that. No. <laughs> on October 16th, 1931, Anne invited Ruth to the bungalow to play bridge. Ruth had moved out about a week prior. According to one of the most common theories, Ruth already had plans to see Halloran that night, so she initially declined. When Halloran didn't show, Ruth went to the bungalow after all. (laughs) So as to what really happened that night, there are several stories, and even Ruth's story changes over time. So I'll give you the most plausible theory. All the women are hanging out playing bridge or gin rummy or whatever the fuck you did in the 30s. Um, Drinking gin and rum, more likely. They get to talking or arguing about Lucy and her syphilis. Damn Lucy and her syphilis. (laughs) Like it's a scab on her or something. Well, Well, I mean, it was pretty much AIDS at that point in time. Yeah. And they were, you know, feigning or not feigning concern over poor happy jack you know and his health you know because you don't okay, want but did they was this a deliberate thing like oh she has syphilis let's introduce her to happy jack well i think on ruth's part i yeah. think she introduced them because uh something about some mountain they were going to climb or some place they were going to go she had already been there or whatever and so they got to talking about it i don't know that's that's kind of but I read into that. I don't know. Um, but obviously they knew the man and that he couldn't keep his hands off the ladies. And I love how they call back then, like everything I read was Jack was a ladies man. <laughs> but if the story was about a woman. Oh, yeah. She's a tramp. Yeah. She's a slut. Yeah. Anyways. Poor Lucy. What, what would they have called her? What, what would you say that a today? A floozy. No, but if you were trying to be like, he's a ladies man. Would you say she's a, what would be the compliment to that? Complimentary term back then? Or Well, now. Because there wouldn't even be a complimentary. There's not even now. Right. <laughs> so what would it be? What would you even call somebody that was like. A female? The female yeah, version, the female of, a version of that. I'll have to think about that one. 
I can't. Nothing comes to mind. Oh, because nobody's ever... Is that where what's good for the goose is... Wait, what's good for the goose is good for... How does that go? What's good for what's the good goose for the is good for the gander is good for the goose? for the gander. Or something like what's that. What's good for the goose is good for the... Wait, yeah, how does yeah, that that's go? It. What's good for the goose is good, good for, for the, the gander? gander? Yep. Is that what that means, though? Yeah, pretty much. Except what was good for the goose wasn't always good for the gander. Is a gander a female or a male? I thought the goose was the female. I'm, I am going to do some research on that, okay? <laughs> it's like, I'll get back to you on that goose gander. Uh-huh. So back to our uh, gin rummy or whatever, Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> whatever they did. Uh, Ruth was ruined. Oh, so they basically they're arguing with her and telling her that she's ruining a good thing for them. And a big old fight breaks out. They threaten to tell Jack that Ruth had introduced him to a woman that had VD. Who says VD anymore? Oh, I don't know. Ruth told them that they couldn't tell, that they couldn't tell that because it was a confidential information. And if they did tell it, then she would retaliate by telling the doctors at the clinic that Anne and Sammy were lesbians. (laughs) She went into the kitchen and turned around to find Sammy standing there with a gun pointed at her and shouti- shouting that she better not tell anyone anything bad about Anne. According to Ruth, they struggled with the gun and Anne started hitting Ruth with an ironing board. Oh. At first, Ruth was shot in hand and grabbed the gun barrel. After struggling and fighting for the gun, she said it went off and killed Sammy. As Anne came at her again, she struggled to get up and she shot Anne too. Then in a panic, she put the bodies in a trunk. These women are so freaking strong. I know. To lift dead weight I mean, is not the same as life weight. Well, <laughs> Living weight. According to sources, Ruth was not a very big person. She was about 100 pounds soaking wet. Yeah, there's some speculation as to how that happened. They have to. And your story before, the last week. Right. Wasn't it last week? Yeah. I was like, she's chopping The Italian grandma. Up. Yeah, she's chopping people up and throwing them in i mean come making on, biscuits out of them freaking strong i know i'd be like that's, i need neighbor can you come help me lift this dead body into the trunk <laughs> that's <laughs> a good neighbor yeah what's good for the goose is good for the gander is what's good for him is good for her okay like if he can do it she can do it you're welcome america 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 So when arrested, Ruth received emergency surgery to remove the bullet that had lodged into her palm. So (laughs) apparently her hand had turned gangrenous. Oh, gosh. In the same examination, Dr. Grace Homan found an extraordinary number of fresh welts, cuts, and discolorations, 147 of them. So just remember that because they pretty much railroad her. What it sounds like is, I don't know. So I was listening to a documentary that looks like it was like made in the 60s or early 70s and what was it the on? bent it was about her but what was it what you where did you see it um like where'd you find it i just on, it on, on youtube on youtube on okay. youtube but the bent of that was of course that she had done it but all these years she had spent time trying to tell people i didn't do it i didn't do it i didn't do it mm-hmm. and so a lot of what i was reading makes it sound like it was that she had done it like it has that that vibe to it there's but, nobody to say any i mean there's like no story that says any different then right well there is oh uh-huh. i will tell you but i'll just 
Let's go over this first. Okay. Um, Dr. Grace Hallman found a ne- so all she found 147 of these welts and cuts and dil- discolorations on her body, which that sounds like somebody sound- who's being beaten. Yeah, it sounds like a struggle, right? Yeah. Across her body, um, they were the type usually produced by assault. <laughs> the attending physician's diagnosis was that she was that as she later wrote, Mrs. Judge had put up a tremendous fight for her life. The next day, she had the trunk. She take- can't. She can't make that on herself. Right. I mean, I guess, but you'd have to try really hard and be really, that's really calculated. Right. I, I don't think. I don't, yeah. I, I mean, to thrash your body around to that point where yeah. there's that many. No, like, like some I, people usually just like bang their, their head. head. Yeah. yeah. Or something like well, that. <laughs> somehow I like um, inserted this paragraph into the middle of the other part of the story. So in a panic, she put the bodies in a trunk. The next day she had the trunk taken to her home. It was too heavy to be shipped. She said she wanted to ship the bodies to the coast and get her little brother to help her dump the bodies in the ocean. Supposedly her home. She dismembered the body of Sammy and put them in different trunks and baggage. So she didn't um, dismember Anne. Uh. She had, I, maybe Sammy was bigger. I yeah. have no idea. She had it shipped to California, but by now it was smelling and oh the bag was leaking. No. Ooh, see? Okay. Oh my God. Let's go back to the Jesse Shockley argument that I had about sticking her in a suitcase and putting her in the trunk. Wouldn't there have been more of this or more of that? And how would there have been hair in certain positions? You know what I'm saying? Right. That just goes to show there, there would have been more of something. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. America. <laughs> Yeah, so it's leaking. The baggage handler brought it to the attention of the police. <laughs> Wait, can I just stop for a second? This time you know. We probably shouldn't do this on a Tuesday ever. ever. Like, I can't even. As you're talking, and I do this. I'm like, oh. And then I'm really fascinated like this. I do this. this is obviously a fascinating story, Carleen. <laughs> I'm totally fascinated by this story. I don't know why I got, like, oh, God. <laughs> all right i'm sorry it's okay yeah and i keep having to find my place all right so the baggage handler calls attention to the police when it's open when it's open they're shocked to see ann and sammy's body parts okay hold on wait so wait she did end up shipping them yes she did i thought she realized they stunk up and so she was like no No. i can't send them because they stink really bad she was like no, she shipped them before they were stinking, but by the time they got all the way then over they there, were stinking. they were stinking. So then and the leaking. handler was like, what is that stench? Open it up and find right. dead bodies. Right. And then probably, okay, I got it. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine being, being the person that had to, oh my God. Gross. Oh. Yes. I can't even imagine what gross. first responders go through when, no, I, I don't think I could be the person to find a dead body or... Well, just, do you ever watch, there's a new show on Fox, it's on tonight, and it's First Responders, and last, I think it was last week, where, ugh, there's just like people puking, there's times they have to pick people up that have shit themselves, I have so much respect. For anybody that could do anybody, that. anybody, police, fire, paramedics, EMS, doctors, I have total respect for people that have to deal with the stuff I can deal with. I have respect for masseuses that have to massage hairy backs. People's warty feet. Oh, Uh, what? Or stinky feet. Or the toenails that are like all. Okay, but I have respect for 
air conditioning men. Oh my, dude, one just passed away. What? Not that long ago. I don't know if he had a heart attack or what, but like, what? yeah, they found him dead up in the attic <gasps> on one of the hottest days no. just a few weeks back. See, I have total respect. I tell him if I have one that comes to my house, I'm like, mm-mm. And the mechanics, because they work in that hot, and they like what they do. They have to work in that heat, no air conditioning. My guys are mobile. They're like, your guys? They're out there. No. Respect! (laughs) (laughs) Crazy. Crazy, especially here in Phoenix. Yeah, just like in these hot places. Like now, pretty much everywhere is hot. Yeah. But the hot and humid, but here when it's a hundred and... 50 degrees outside and the sun's blazing on them and your guys like being enclosed even if they're like in an enclosed garage just just hot, like oh no anyways back to winnie ruth judd so they arrest her if people listen to us to actually hear a story all the way through I yeah mean, we're sorry guys we're no. very like well they, uh, they discombobulated can't li- no they can't listen to us for that they have to listen to us for the bits and pieces. The chit-chat in between. Yeah, I mean. Total weirdness. <laughs> listen, I went and listened to um, this, a couple podcasts. I've heard this. This is what they do. The goose and the gander. The goose is the gander, and the gander is the goose, and la, 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 la. That's how they talk. And I'm like, people dig that? Like, that? they just talk <laughs> monotone. They tell the story, and that is how the ghost made the sound at night. <laughs> they play yeah, they play a bunch of spooky sounds, you know, right. but they're very monotone and they talk like this and they've got a shitload of followers and commercials and listen, we are the party people. <laughs> <laughs> the party people. The party <laughs> We are the party party. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Go. <laughs> waiting for you to look up at me because I was going to say do you know how many times I tell you go. I finish and I go go, go. <laughs> okay. I wanted to know if you were going to say anything going. I was waiting for you to go like this <laughs> you, like with your eyes you're a fucking asshole <laughs> go <laughs> <laughs> alright I'm just teasing Okay. When so, I say go, it just means like I'm finished. I'm not going to interrupt you. And then go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm done. Sure. Yeah, I'll just say I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Let me just tell you, we're not drinking as much as we did the last time. This is stone cold sober. Yeah. All right. Back to the Tiger Woman. The murder trial of Winnie Ruth Judd began on January 19th, 1932 at the Maricopa County Courthouse in downtown Phoenix. The media... <laughs> like the way I said that? <laughs> downtown Phoenix. <laughs> That's where it's going down in downtown, downtown Phoenix. Phoenix. Everybody, because it's such a cool ass place. <laughs> on August 30th in downtown Phoenix, we are going to be at the San Carlos Hotel. Bam. Bam. Go. <laughs> the media called her the trunk murderess, the tiger woman. I don't get the quite... Why the are they calling woman. her these things? Is it because she the put, trunk murderess? Maybe the, I can well, understand. Yeah, but why is this tiger? I don't. I don't get the tiger whatever. woman thing. What is it? Tiger. 
Tiger woman. Tiger mom? What? I don't understand I think that's totally that. different. <laughs> um, oh, on the evening Sorry. of Monday. <laughs> I'm obviously boring you. You're not. But why? I, I'm going to have to try and figure that out. The whole tiger murderous? Yes. Tiger you, woman. I'm an investigator. You're like, God damn it. You, did, you should have found that out. I wish you would have. Okay. Let me just tell you, this story is so robust that I was just trying to pick out the most pertinent things because I didn't want to go on for like two hours. Wait, what's her name again? I'm sorry. Judd. <laughs> it's your story. And you... Winnie Ruth Judd. Winnie. I should know because we said it like 500 times. All right. On the evening of Monday, October 19th, 1931, Phoenix police first entered the bungalow where Leroy and Samuelson had resided. Neighbors and reporters were also allowed in and destroyed the original integrity of the crime scene. Yeah, get this. The following yeah. day, the bungalow's landlord placed newspaper ads in the Arizona Republic and the Phoenix Evening Gazette and offered tours of the three-room bungalow what? for 10 cents per person. What? So they're all tramping through this crime scene. Oh my God. Contaminating it. Yeah. Attracting hundreds of curiosity seekers. During the trial, Judd's defense protested, stating, by the advertisements in the newspapers, the entire population of Maricopa County visited that place. Did you know they called her the Blonde Butcher? Yeah. Oh, did you say that? That was one of my AKAs. Oh, in the beginning. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Sorry. All I want to know is why they call her why they call her woman. the blonde butcher. Was she blonde? Yeah. She oh, looks like she has wow. brown hair. Well, in some of the pictures she looks blonde. She looks pretty glamorous, doesn't she? She She looks like a afraid to say it because I don't want her to come and haunt me. But she doesn't look very nice. But yeah, she looks like somebody who has money. But she doesn't. You know what? She doesn't look like she's mean. She looks like she's terrified. Well, this is that. Actually, that picture is a few years later. But there's some pictures during the actual, like, that time frame. And she looks super glamorous. Wait, like these? There's one where she's actually wearing, it looks like she's wearing, like, a mink stole. Oh, really? All right. The police maintain that Judd's victims were shot while asleep in their beds. The mattresses from the two beds were missing the night. The police entered. One mattress was later found with no blood stains on it, miles away in a vacant lot. The other remained missing. No explanation was ever offered as to why one was found so far away, nor what became of the other mattress. So, yeah, back to that documentary that seemed like it was in the 60s or whatever. Yeah. They, they were interviewing one of the detectives on the case, and he was pretty much adamant that she had done it, saying that she'd pretty much point blank killed them in their sleep but it sounds like some of the trial evidence was where was he getting his information i wonder i Did have no I'd well, like to know. from the scene and from it sounded like they were trying to really pin it on her to me that's my personal opinion but i don't know the dismemberment aspect of the double slaying was never addressed in court because judd was tried only for the murder of Leroy, whose body was not dismembered you would think that that would be one of their biggest pieces of it um, she was never tried for the murder of Samuelson. The state argued that Judd acted with premeditation and that the relations between the three women had deteriorated over some weeks and that they had argued over the affections of Halloran, all of which culminated in the murders. The prosecution maintained... Here comes the juicy stuff. ...that Judd herself inflicted the gunshot wound on to her own left hand to try to bolster her claim of self-defense. 
Judd's defense contended that she was innocent because she was insane, but did not introduce the self-defense argument for the record. Judd did not take the stand in her own defense, which is something she was not very happy about. Like, cause oh, but they, they probably told her, her not to. Yeah. Interestingly, Mrs. Katie Coons, whose husband sat on the jury and who watched the trial proceedings daily, came away from the trial with two major impressions about what had happened. Writes Jana Bombersbach, who wrote The Trunk Murderess, which sounds like an awesome book that I, was I just actually want to say. I think I want to read that. And she's the author that I was telling you that it sounds like she was like this lady got railroaded. Because a lot of the excerpts that I read. So she's actually for her. Yeah. It's like saying, yeah, she, uh, I want to know, like, God, I wish we could. What? You wish you could ask her? Because if anybody could ask her, that's why I stopped. Because now I'm like, careful what you wish for. (laughs) Never mind. You're you're the one with I know. Never mind. I don't think I want to pull out that. Maybe after the end of this, you might. Anyways, okay, so we're talking about Jana Bombersbach's book, The Trunk Murders, this quote out of there. It says, one that Ruth Judd was guilty of shooting the girls. This is what this lady comes away with. And two, that there was no question she had help somewhere along the way. We never understood why Jack Halloran was never called. Re- uh, Mrs. Coons remembers his name was brought up so often in the case. He was sworn in, but was never called to the stand. And... He also attended every day of this trial. Like, he sat there. Wow. So, that, just remember that. Um, the jury reached its That's verdict. That's an investment. Yeah. The jury reached its verdict on the afternoon of February 8th, 1832. She was pronounced guilty. And 19? Be- 19, did I say? <laughs> 1932, not 1832. Yeah. Um, she was pronounced guilty, and before the session ended, they elected that she should hang by her neck until she's dead dead well that's dead. how they did it in the west <laughs> and we were very much still a little bit the west here yep. not a little bit i mean we were becoming this a little bit of a, a cosmo- cosmopolitan yeah. but at the same time we were still very much wild west yeah. At some point, Jack Halloran comes under suspicion and is indicted by a grand jury and a preliminary hearing is held. Winnie is called as a star witness and she testifies that she'd gone to Leroy and Samuelson's bungalow on an invitation to play bridge and a fourth woman who had also been invited had already left, which who cares? She testified that there was an argument about Judd's introduction of Halloran to another woman and that she killed Leroy and Samuelson in self-defense after they physically attacked her. According to, the, to Judd, she met up with Halloran shortly after the killings and returned with him to the bungalow. Boom, boom, boom. Freeze. Like, he killed them then? No. Or she and... She'd they, already killed him. Uh-huh. And then she meets up with him later. Yeah. Takes him back to the bungalow. Yeah. And after seeing the body, he went out to the garage, returned with a great heavy trunk, oh, and told her not the, to tell anyone. So okay, he's gotcha, helping gotcha. her clean I'm up like, the mess. I swear so, I just heard you say, like, he's now involved no, somehow. Well, he's involved yeah. in helping her clean it up. Yep. Well, yeah, so it makes him an accomplice in yep. it, right? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, under cross-examination, Judge Judd admitted repacking Samuelson's dismembered body in a trunk and other luggage two days after the murders. <laughs> Halloran did not take the stand in his own defense. His attorney told the court that Judd's story was nothing more than the story of an insane person and argued that since she had testified that the two women were killed in self-defense, there was in fact no crime committed. 
Therefore, Halloran could not be tried for anything. Halloran's attorney then asked for charges against his client to be dismissed. On January 25, 1933, bastards. the judge freed Halloran, saying that the state's case was <laughs> inconsistent. Okay, let me just tell you a little something that about Jack Halloran. That is such a sneaky move. He is a lumber tycoon. Um, he's part of a talks. bigger... His company is actually owned by the O'Malley's at this time. And they're like this huge lumber family in Arizona. And so they think it was a lot of it was political. And he's a guy that knew everybody. And he he just was a very popular it guy during this time. Money walks. And there was even something that I was reading that he had a he knew a doctor that owed him a favor because they were talking about the way the body was dismembered. I was just going to say so this doctor had to have helped them. Right. It, there was no way that Our, with the precision that the way the body was taken apart that she could have done that. Right. I mean, she worked in a medical I was clinic, say, but did, yeah. I don't think they allowed her in on the surgeries if she's a secretary. No, I don't think it was calculated enough for her to even like bring tools from the hospital. Right. No, I think, I think so. it was a crime of passion. Yeah. I think it was like Sounds it like just it was something yeah, that happened. Right. It wasn't something that she was like contemplating, calculating. Yeah, like I'm gonna do it on this day, this right. time I'm gonna then I'm gonna beat myself so it looks like this. She didn't do any of that. Right. Even the dog thinks so. Yep. You think so, Poe? <laughs> Okie <Okay>, doke. <laughs> the look that really he just gave me. You. He's like, what? You yeah. said my name. Yeah. All right. So the judge frees Halloran saying that the state's case was inconsistent and that trying him would be an idle gesture. Although officially exonerated, Halloran eventually fell out of favor in Phoenix, losing his business associates and social status. He died in Tucson in 1939. So that was 1933. It's only... What, six years later, he passes away, probably from syphilis. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just Tucson. making that up. I don't know. Yeah, in Tucson. Interesting. Uh, Winnie Ruth Judd was placed on death row at the Arizona State Prison at Florence. Over the next several months, an appeals court juggled her verdict, her proponents wanting a mistrial, but eventually the court reached its decision. It upheld the original verdict and punishment. Ruth was sentenced to die February 17th, 1933. However, this was overturned. After her death sentence was overturned, Judd was committed to the Arizona State Asylum for the Insane. What? Later renamed the Arizona State Hospital. How did that happen? Well, they didn't... I don't think they liked putting women to death, right? So how'd she get in that? How'd she get that ticket? Well... She got a second chance. What well, kind of? I mean, <laughs> she is in the... Insane asylum, asylum, but I mean, what's well back then? Yeah, that they were been, doing like shock therapy and crazy shit, and just stuffing you full of medication. And oh, I mean, is that you can so have bad? your brain no, lobotomized? <laughs> is I that so bad? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Stoned out of my mind. Her brain's like scrambled eggs. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't know. Gross. Uh, and I'm know. kidding, by the way. I know it was really bad back then. That. Well, are the if they're any better, they still drug people up. I don't know. I think they're probably a lot better than they were back then. I'm sure they're better, but are they a lot better or are they just better? State ran hospitals. I don't know. I mean, you still find out things like yeah, that it's not a a insane asylum, but there was that girl that had been in a coma for years and years, and she ends up pregnant just recently. Right, like and that was a caregiver. I mean, that's kind of a that was still that was. Is that only a state-ran facility, or is that privately and state? Like, is it state-funded? 
and people can pay. I wonder. I have no idea. But yeah, it's gross. Shit happens. They don't pay attention. They don't care. That's not all. That's just like places like that where they're just, they're not paying. Hopefully things are going to change. Let's just say that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to put my foot in my mouth. Who knows? I might end up in one of those places one day. I don't want to screw myself. Yep. What's the matter, Popo? He heard his baby doll barking heard your girlfriend out there? Those eyes. the goofiest boyfriend (laughs) of life. Cute. <laughs> All right. So after her death sentence, the insane asylum later renamed the Arizona State Hospital in Phoenix, the state's only mental institution at the time. Um, Judd escaped from the institution. What? Not once, not twice, <laughs> not three times, but six times, what? my friends. Uh, That's insane. From between That's 1933 insane. and 1963. A little insane. <laughs> it's insane. Insane in the membrane. So wait, that state hospital, what is it now? Where is it? Did they knock it down? Is it still around? Did they knock it down? Is it still around? <laughs> the insane you asylum. You can do a rap. Yeah. I, I think wonder it's the one. I think it's the, the state hospital, like the... You think it's still there? I think so. Still a state hospital? Like for insane or just the county hospital? I think it's the county. Like down on Roosevelt? Because county has a, they have their own mental ward. I don't know. We'll have to look that one up because, yeah, I, yeah, don't quote me on that one. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. We'll have to find out. Okay. Go. Okay. No, I was just playing with you too because I saw you trying to find your place. Uh, yeah. So in one instance, she walked all the way to Yuma. <gasps> that would take days. Yep. Along the old Southern Pacific Railroad tracks. Uh-uh. Insane. She might be crazy. Yeah. Um, Judd escaped for the final time on October 8th, 1963, using a key to the front door of the hospital that a friend had given her. <laughs> Gave her the and key. it was funny, like, cause that that one documentary that I had watched, where that uh, the detective, when he was like giving his commentary on this, he was like, it just sounds like they just wanted to get rid of her ass yeah. too, cause they were like, leave. She ended up in the San Francisco Bay Area, where she became a living maid. What <laughs> for a very wealthy couple living in a mansion overlooking the bay, using the name Marion Lane. <laughs> just can't <laughs> so she goes by this pseudonym of Marion Lane after six years her identity in California was eventually discovered and she was taken back to Arizona on August 18th 1969 her case was reopened in October of 1969 and her parole was denied a second parole hearing was called in December of 1971 and Governor Jack Williams signed the pardon Upon her release, Winnie Ruth returned to her Northern California as Marion Lane. She was instructed never to tell her story or to talk about any part of it ever again. Winnie Ruth Judd died in her sleep on October 23rd, 1998 at the age of 93. So more on Janet Bomber's box investigation. I just took a few excerpts because I didn't want to go too long, but I mean, it was pretty, there was a lot, a lot of information on this case and crazy, crazy information. 
Um, according to Bombersbach, due to Phoenix's small pop- population in 1931, members of the Phoenix police knew Halloran well, Happy Jack, and were aware of his associates, friends, and girlfriends. Some police officers also knew the victims. Some even believed that Judge ha- Judd had, hadn't killed anyone, even in self-defense, but was only covered up for Halloran, covering up for Halloran and possibly others. Halloran's release was considered by some to be a miscarriage of justice and his exoneration a political cover-up. His gray Packard had been spotted at the crime scene the night of the the murders and again the next day, suggesting that he might have been an accomplice. According to Bombersbach, there were indications that Judd was not capable of dismembering Samuelson's body, a task that, according according to autopsy photos, was performed with surgical skills that Judd did not possess and that Judd was not even physically capable of lifting the bodies. Bombersbach also suggested that a second gun might have been involved based on early newspaper reports that Leroy was shot with a larger caliber bullet. Hmm. Her book is called The Trunk Murderess, Winnie Ruth. Win- yeah. <laughs> I can't even get it, get through this. Winnie Ruth Judd. Ah, and that's twister. my story. I can't clap for you. There we go. There's a delay. All right. That and was go. good. That, oh, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't wait to do that. Wait. <laughs> Get ready. Okay. And go. Okay. <laughs> Mine is about the May Stringer house in Florida. I realized. I've never heard this. No? No. Oh, I'm so happy. Okay. I, when I, I realized that when I read these stories, I sound a bit like my mother who. <laughs> Over pronounce. No, I can't talk. <laughs> That's an interesting word for you to not be able to pronounce. Everything. So, like, she'll she'll say, "Did you see that blue vehicle going across the street?" Or when she's telling you a story, there was a blue vehicle. <laughs> In the middle of the street. I notice I'll do that occasionally. But I do it mostly to just kind of like put it out there in a very clear manner. Stress points. Yes. Anyway, this is the May. It's May Stringer House. And it's two separate last names. I talk with my hands. If you all could just see me now. If you could see me now. (laughs) (laughs) And go. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. Bingo. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, okay, anyway, it's now a museum, everybody. It's not oh. a, just a house. It's a museum where you can go and see things. <laughs> God, I got to take a normal pill. I don't know what is wrong with me right now. <laughs> All right, pill, a pill. normal pill. You know, like limp, limp, limp. <laughs> Limp Mansion. (laughs) (laughs) Not limp. Limp. Not limp dick. Limp. (laughs) I did not even catch it until I re-listened and I was like, oh, she's asking the way I'm saying it. I know, my kids. Pin, pin. Mom gets stuck with a pin or write with a pin. Pin, pin. Your pin number to your phone. (sighs) Yeah, pin. See? Limp. (laughs) (laughs) oh my god okay made it funnier anyway okay especially when it says limp on the side of limp on the side of 
We're not doing that. We're doing May Stringer House. Okay. okay. All okay. right. In Florida. And go. <laughs> it's in it's in Brooksville, Florida. Brooksville, Florida. I don't know if that's how they talk. I'm just assuming. <laughs> it's known as the May Stringer House because of the two get this, the two men that owned the home in the past at separate times. Okay. Oh, the home is humongous. It's got 14 rooms. So it didn't start out that way, but it has 14 rooms. It was built in, some say 1855, but when they gave the tours, like the, the tour guide people, they were kept saying 1856. So we're going to go with that. Okay. 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 And, and go. <laughs> In 1866, 1800s. <laughs> Our favorite. Oh, in 1866, they had the first, I'm going to call it a ride-by shooting. Oh. Yeah. It was kind of considered their first drive-by shooting in that little town. But was that a four-horse carriage? It was a ride-by. <laughs> it was a guy on a horse, on oh, horseback. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it was like, um, there was, let me just read. This was the first drive-by in the county. In county history, they say, someone was coming to visit. <laughs> it takes me forever because I don't do it serious. This, this might be our last podcast we ever do with beer. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe with anything. <laughs> Nobody's going to want to hear us when I walk. At least you can understand yes. what we're saying. Yes, because last time. Are you sitting on your hands because you want to smack me or because you're cold? I don't know why I'm sitting on my hands because I'm trying to pay attention. This is She's what I staying do awake. when I'm trying to pay attention. So I wonder I, if I don't you did fidget. that when you were in school when you were little. Did you sit like that to pay Maybe. attention? I'll try and get through this. Okay. You're going to come in and you're gonna, I'm going to have a big magnifying glass. <laughs> <laughs> you should. You should. That's hysterical. Okay. So. I need one for me too. Okay. And, and we'll get like a big marker so we could keep our place. Like right. This. Uh, someone was coming to visit an occupant of the home as he was climbing the front steps. This isn't when it was a 14 bedroom home. This is only when it started out as a four bedroom home. Like people can see me. Right. I'm talking to you. She, she says four bedroom. She holds up four <laughs> fingers. How many fingers am I holding up? Dun, 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 dun. You pull my finger. Pull, pull mine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pull each other. Let's do it at the same time. Anyway, they uh, the person was coming to see somebody at the house, and it was only the four bedroom house at the time. This was just after the oh oh yeah. This is why this was so interesting. This was just after the Civil War, so everybody was kind of like tense with the. You know, the, the, what is it, like slavery and all of that going on. But evidently, there was this black man who was, the rumor was that he, they, they said that he had raped a white woman. I don't think that actually happened. I think that was just like a rumor. Right. But because, so there were these, this group of like 12 men that... It was before the KKK time, but they were just a group of vigilantes. Vigilantes? Right. Yeah. Anyway, so these men took it upon themselves to go and get this man, and I believe they hung the black man. That's yeah. usually the way they did it. Yeah. This group was, which I just already told you. Anyway, it was kind of like the pre-KKK group. <sighs> so sad. Anyway, the guy that was shot on the steps... He was group member number 11. I don't know how they know that, but 
He was the 11th dude. Anyway. So they all took a number? They got, I don't know. I don't know, but that's just what they said. <laughs> I don't know who they are either, but they say right. that he was like number 11. And evidently there was this like whole another group. To me, that's another group of vigilantes right. going and. And then they all got together and they formed the KKA. Hey, it's gang wars already. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the bloods thugs. and the crips. <laughs> Go. Go. In 1855, John May and his wife, along with their, um, his wife's name, I believe is Marana, along with their baby girl, moved to Florida. Oh, and so now I'm going to like the history of the house, okay? okay? But I had to get to that, like, that's crazy, right? Yeah. Like the first thing that happens. Anyway. In 1855, John May and his wife, along with their baby, moved to Florida and had this four-room house built on all... Oh, he had purchased, like, all the land that's there now as Brooksville. That was... He purchased all of that land. Oh. And then built this four-room house, and then it was just a giant plantation, so he had slaves and crazy stuff like that. Of course. I mean, Florida. Deep, deep south. That's right. How crazy is it, though, that he had slaves and all of this was going on, and then one of the men, KKK, coming to see an occupant, quote unquote, of the house is killed on his steps. I mean, that's just very yep. interesting, isn't it? Maybe he's member one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Who knows? Twelve. <laughs> we don't know. Karma. Take a number. I got to I'm running running out of breath. All right. Once they moved in, Marina, she gave birth to another baby girl. Then at age 25, this is so sad. Just one year later, John May died of tuberculosis. Isn't that sad? Like they just moved there. They have this giant property. They have a baby. And he dies. So many of these like haunted houses, somehow like somebody dies early, the kids die early, the tuberculosis Tuberculosis. is involved in some way, shape or form. It seemed like women back then like just kept on having babies because they didn't know how many of them were going to (laughs) live. That's true. And that's probably why. But they also didn't do birth control. Right. That's true. And either. No, that's this whole story is like that. It's just death. Really sad. Anyway. Miranda, she, um, she's left at 25 years old. Okay, let's just imagine this. You're 25 years old. You have two babies, baby babies. You have to raise them. Plus, you have this giant piece of land, this house, a bunch of slaves that you now have to take care of. Right. All by yourself. Like she has this giant, you know, I don't know, but they're probably growing all kinds of stuff in that plantation. So then she had the slaves. She had to take care of herself. Like back then, that was hard if you didn't have a husband because it was so male dominated. Right. You couldn't do anything without a husband. So she was doing that all by herself. Interesting. For nine years or like nine and a half or eight and a half years or whatever. Oh, nine years. God, I love writing my shit down because I remember. <laughs> I'm amazing. Okay, people? You validate your own story. <laughs> okay okay so then this man frank frank saxon comes along 
And he is a Confederate soldier who's kind of like celebrated at the time that when he comes, he's like a war hero. Okay. Which I don't know. There was kind of, there's a reason. I just, let's just leave that. Okay, people. He's a war hero. Hi. He quickly found himself a, well. oh, he latched onto her because back then that's what the men did if, you know, especially coming back from war is they latched on to like a wealthy widow and now he's automatically wealthy. And there was plenty of widows to be... Found. Found everywhere. Yeah. And their wealth then automatically became the man's wealth. So Uh. now he's in control of everything. Notice like in the story, it says that the house is May Stringer because of the men that live there. She lived there for nine years. Right. Like it wasn't her maiden name, May Stringer house. Right. It's May Stringer, the men. And so now th- this Frank Saxon, like, got it made. He found this very wealthy woman, all this land, this house. I, he's moving on up. Anyway, nice. he quickly found himself a wealthy widow. He then succeeded in becoming a judge, clerk of the court. He became clerk of the court. That's my name. I me. Clerk of the court. That came out. <laughs> Clerk of the... See, can't do it. Clerk of the court. <laughs> I can't. 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 Sweaty balls. Sweaty balls. He became clerk of the court and chief of police. You can and be both. No, he just was like, I'm gonna. This be is who I am. Chief of police right now. Well, I mean, basically they owned the town. Right. I mean, kinda. Then he also was a mayor for a little stint. Oh, he was also the mayor. Yeah, I mean, he was a jack of all trades. I was, I'm, I'm gonna guess that he just kind of like appointed himself. Whatever he wanted to be. Nice. That's what it kind of sounded like to me. Anyway. Well, oh, okay. Listen to this now. Here's Spooky. Well, one of the tour guides was giving a tour just two years after she began working at the house. She was she was giving a tour of the dining room. I know this story. She was giving a tour of the dining room. I have to use my hands. Okay. <laughs> she was giving a tour of the dining room and she's explaining to the the group, you know, the history of the whole place. And and at that time they didn't do ghost tours. They didn't do anything that had to do with the ghost. Right. Um her It was just like the history of the house, right? Right. And at the time, like prior to this story, her granddaughter was with her at the house and she told her granddaughter to go up and shut off lights. And so she can hear her. Her granddaughter was like nine and she can hear her granddaughter's footsteps, but she hears footsteps along with her granddaughter, like following behind her. Oh, that's but like a little kid's footsteps. Okay. And so she then hears her granddaughter like running Uh and the little footsteps running. And her granddaughter's like, I am never coming to this house again. Something was following me. And her grandma's like, yeah, I know. I heard the footsteps behind you. And so it's just, there's a little girl spirit there 
too, but I will tell you about her in a minute. Okay. Anyway, so she had just told that story, and now she's telling the story about she's standing in the dining room. She has her tour group, and she's giving them a history lesson of the house and the people in it and blah, blah, blah. They didn't do ghost tours. And as she's talking to them, the there's... So there's this beautiful table. I'll try and give you a visual. There's this beautiful dining room table. And then there's like a hutch. And then it had, you know how they place their pretty china out? So it had their teacups and right. their saucers. And all of a sudden she says you hear like the teacups and saucers start to vibrate and shake. Uh, yeah. Okay. And it's almost like they're getting louder because they're like trying to, to, in my opinion, they were trying to get the attention of everybody. But she just kept talking. And um, trying to like, okay, let me just get out of this room. And then a teacup lifts up, flips over upside down, and then lands back onto the, like, onto the the hutch or the table or whatever, onto a saucer, I'm assuming, because the way she showed it, that's what it landed Without breaking? Without breaking. Interesting. Uh, According, I mean, she didn't say it broke. She didn't say like, and it shattered, nothing like that. She just showed that it landed upside down. And then she actually did an example, like kind of plopping it. And then she said, she was like, okay, and off we go upstairs. And everybody kind of went, finished up the tour. And she said by the time they went up to the fourth floor, every room they went into was an experience. Like there was something wanted to be known in each room. And then... Yeah, it's interesting. Wow. But yeah, cool, right? Yeah. Cool. And then I guess there were a bunch of... Well, yeah, they had a... (laughs) They had a bunch of like... You know, like taps. Have you ever heard of them? Like a ghost. They're ghost hunters called taps. Oh, yeah, taps. And I guess they had gone in there or a sub... Oh, my gosh. Mark is a movie. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) One of their episodes. Somebody had gone in related to taps. That's uh-huh. an easier way of me saying that one little word that I want to say. Anyway, somebody had gone in there and they were like, I guess the museum was struggling. And so they were like, you should be doing ghost tours here. You could make a gazillion dollars doing ghost, ghost tours. So then they decided to start doing ghost tours. Interesting. Yeah. So that's how huh. that started. Anyway, now on with my and Go. go. <laughs> and listen if i have to do it myself every time girl she points at me and i'm just like go she's falling asleep my story's fine <laughs> no it's no not. it's exciting it's actually pretty cool okay in 1869 ghosts. it's ghosts. ghosts oh my speaker we're coming after you <laughs> at first it sounded like you were belching <laughs> i might have been the ghost belches you were gonna burp in 1869 Marana died she died Marana died giving birth to Jesse Jesse May is her name Jesse M-A-E Jesse May oh Jesse May Jesse May Jesse May wait is that her last name what's Frank's Saxon oh oh wait you know what they don't call the house the Saxon house interesting maybe because he didn't live there that long okay anyway maybe because he was full of himself maybe giving because, himself all maybe kinds of titles maybe because it was legit her house right maybe she was like dude want to call yourself the wizard of oz and... <laughs> dude you don't get to plaster your name on my house no. anyway she died giving birth to Jesse. Jessamay. Frank and Marana's only baby 
girl, and I believe their only child. Uh, Jesse, so she survived. Jesse, the baby, survived for three years. And later, she died. I know, isn't that sad? Listen, they have pictures of her, and she's so cute. She was the cutest little girl. Oh, my God. So is this who was following? Yes. Oh, okay. That's Jesse. That's a little footsteps. Mm. I know, cute, right? But you know what? I have a lot of questions about this, so we're going to keep going. Okay. Just as you all have questions, so do I. Anyhow. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And go. And go. Oh, oh. This is, this is for me. Died when I was watching. Oh, yeah, it is me. When I was watching Ghost Hunter. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, because the woman was doing a spirit box. And when she asked, how did Jesse die? Because nobody's really clear on how she died. When the lady, this one YouTuber, ghost hunting that I was watching, she was doing the spirit box, and she asked, how did Jesse die? And it was very clear there was a really clear remember how i told you some of them were really clear the responses right. this one was really clear and the response given was quote she had a high fever but then it almost sounded like they started goofing around spirit was goofing around because then they were like it was over a thousand then another response in a different voice said that sounds painful <laughs> as if they were you know just being silly right back they're and bantering forth. Like, yeah That's it was like she had a fever and then somebody was like yeah it was over a thousand and then somebody else was like, oh that sounds painful you know yeah got jokes well yeah i mean a soul's a soul when right if you're funny here you're probably funny there i'm hysterical here so i will be hysterical <laughs> just kidding <laughs> I imagine you will be. As everybody rolls their eyes. Anyway, isn't that interesting, though? I, I thought it was, anyhow. So I, And then there was it another is. one. Somebody else did another one that it also implied, oh, it said sickness. So it kind of implied the same thing. So I, I'm going to I'm gonna take a ganter. A gander? A gander. <laughs> I said ganter. <laughs> and I almost said, is that right? I'm going to take a gander. That's not even right, either. It isn't? Well, not the way I said it. Not in the Wait, way. Wait, because we said goose and gander. We were talking about. Take a little gander at this. That would make more sense. I don't know what gander means. I don't know either. All right. Dumbasses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. You know, people think it. We say it out loud. Exactly. Anyway, many people have reported Jesse or a little girl. Even they don't, they don't know if it's actually Jesse. They just say a little girl has tugged on them. Or they hear her cry. So while I was reviewing the YouTube stuff, that same group of women, they were in the military room. So there's a military room now in the museum. And there, you could see shadows and you could see all kinds of crazy stuff. And it's I think they were getting ready to like switch to go to another room. Right. So it wasn't even like they were looking for it or asking for it. And all of a sudden you hear a little kid's wail like Aww. a cry and i and then they were like was that a laugh or a cry i couldn't tell either i think it was a kind of a just like a giving <laughs> yeah kind of like i don't know it, it was sad it was just it was loud right that's something i would hear at my house but that's kind of something that you would hear if you're like half asleep half awake kind of thing see it's good right yeah, i mean is. there's like so so many crazy things that happen 
Anyway, the war room is a very active place as well. Just while the women were, okay, like I said, there was the shadow. So they had these, there's these green, have you ever seen those ghost shows where they use like the green, it's like a laser, it's like a whole bunch of lasers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's like a, what do you call it? Like a grid. Yes. Okay, so they put the grid up with the little pin, and then they're like, you could go through the lights, we'll be able to see you, or you can do this, move the lights, we'll see you. And all of a sudden, they have it on, like, the ceiling, and all of a sudden, you just see this shadow go, Oh, right no. uh-uh. <laughs> It was uh-uh. so amazing. <laughs> it was really cool. Anyway, that, that spooked them out, but I was like, that's badass, all right, woo! Okay, <laughs> whatever, only me. Anyway, that will, uh, the hotel, when we right. go to San Carlos, that'll right. freak out. Uh, it's a grid? No, I kind of <laughs> wish we had stuff I like know. that. But whatever. Anyway, then the one lady, there was a lady, they were all sitting on the floor, and then something touched one of the ladies, and it freaked her out super bad. But it gave her like a, it gave her some kind, she wouldn't even say like exactly what it did, but it freaked her out enough. She like jumped up and was like, I'm not sitting there. And then you can hear like heavy breathing. So even when they did the spirit box, the spirit mimicked the heavy breathing on the spirit box. Are you serious? No joke. That's weird. So they have the spirit box and it's like, and then all of a sudden you're, and they were like, that's heavy breathing. That's the heavy breathing we heard. Like the spirit was like, I'm validating you heard me heavy breathing right. in your ear. Weird. Crazy. Yeah, there was, I mean, this house is the probably one of the most, it is known as like the top five most active houses in Florida. I put this at the top of any of the houses or boats or anything that I've right. done since we started doing this. I mean, this. Lizzie Borden, none of those seem like even uh-uh. they remotely weren't even, as active. The Queen Mary was probably like the one that I was like, yeah, they probably should have left that one alone. That one kind of got creepy. But that that isn't even, as, this is crazy active. But it's not scary. Okay. I mean, to me, it's not scary. You guys, it's all... <laughs> You guys are like, what the fuck? Um, after Marina died, Frank sold the home. He sold the home, the property, everything. Eventually made its way to one Dr. Sheldon Stringer. The doctor added 10 rooms. That's who made the house huge. And that's how he got what do you, his What do you need 10 more rooms for? I don't know. Maybe he thought he was going to have like a bigger family. Okay. Because he had his wife and three kids that moved in the house. And that's not that big. But he also did his medical practice oh, okay. out of the house. Still, that's a lot of rooms. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of... It, they said it's like over 7,000 square feet. Huge. Yeah. A lot of cleaning. Ooh, thank you. I'd like to go and check it out, though. I bet it is. It looks beautiful. Anyhow. Can't wait to see a picture. You know what I just realized? Well, I didn't just realize it, but I'm always like, oh, yeah. And then when you see a picture or when you do this, and then I never send, well, sometimes I do send you the stuff. I You always end up having to take it up yourself. <laughs> I'm an ass. All right. Anyway. Um, Oh, this is could be the reason why he wanted so many rooms also, because some say that he also used his home as a sanatorium, catering to victims of smallpox and uh, yellow fever. Okay, so hence all the rooms. That could be. After the death of the Stingers, the house passed from owner to owner, and oh, and also, like in the 60s and stuff, it was, isn't it gorgeous? 
but it, it was looks haunted. Yeah, it looks haunted. But get this, in like the 60s, people rented it. Like if somebody came to town and they had a big family, there's no houses in that town that can accommodate a family of six. Right. They would rent that house. Interesting. And have crazy ass experiences in it and not want to stay. Then the Hernando Historical Museum Association acquired the, the mansion. There is a ghost named James who was a guest of the Stingers. He stayed with them when he came home from World War One. Before James went off to war, he was engaged. And he goes, he fights war, that gets him through the love. Oh my gosh, I'm going to marry this woman. I got to fight to get back. He comes home, finds out she didn't wait for him and she married some other dude. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. So while he's staying with the stingers, he gives us news. He's heartbroken. He's depressed. He goes up into their attic and hangs himself. Oh, but he's a really active ghost now and he likes the ladies so he has a history of like touching ladies butts doing a little fondling of his own you know been on the other side he gets frisky yeah you know and so some people were like he doesn't like women and so then these these women were like james do you they were using dowsing rods and they're like do you like women and he's like yeah of course i Hello. I just don't like that bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor James. Anyway, that's his story. Okay, so, so he's just in the attic or is he everywhere? Um, he kind of floats around all over the place, but I think he I think he goes all over. I noticed like when I was watching, I pretty much watched every ghost adventure, YouTuber, everything. <laughs> and he was kinda anywhere if they call him it's no different than my house if i call on them they're gonna come and that's basically what he did okay so oh and the name of that paranormal team that i was telling you it's g team paranormal and then omar gosh is i love i love him i love him yeah he's so adorable i I love watching him. he does good ones Mm -hmm. and i okay you gotta watch when he falls asleep like at the queen mary when he does his 24-hour ones and you got to watch those. <laughs> um, so while some of the ghosts, well, they're, they're filming, chairs rocked on the porch and in the attic. Like they would just be filming and all of a sudden a rocking chair would start rocking back and forth. They'd be like, this is what I can't stand. Did you move that rocking chair? No. Did you do it? No. Well, I each of them is standing like 10 feet away. Yeah, and they're like, you did yeah, that, didn't you? I did you? it with my mind, man. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Did you do that? Yeah. I think it was on Omar Gosh's, though, where they're in the attic and there's this this dummy or like a mannequin and she's on this metal frame thing and they're like playing with her hair and like, isn't she beautiful and joking around and messing with her and stuff. At first they were creeped out by her and then they ignore her and they're doing their thing and they're, I think they were getting ready to leave the attic. And they hear a noise, and they turn around. (laughs) That freaking mannequin. Oh, my God. I got chills. What? Oh, my God. That mannequin moved out of the little area that it was in. And it's standing at, like, by... Like that facing no, them no, all. Look, I got a, chills. That's a oh scene, like haunted dolls. Like no, I'm telling you, this is the kind of scary <laughs> stuff that was happening. And they were like, "What the fuck? Oh my god, I can't take that!" Like that even creeped the shit out of them. Right. Creeps me out. Anyway, that kind of stuff happened, and you don't hear it. Like okay, the one I did last week, 
I was I said like you could hear the metal chair going across the floor. Right. No. When they would do things at this one you can't hear. So Omar again, he's in the attic, him and his crew and they're they're sitting there and there's this story with if you there's a bed up in the attic. And if you mess up the bed and like you leave the room, you come back, spirit will make the bed up. They don't like the whoever the spirit is up there doesn't like the bed being unmade. So anyway, the one the G team girls, they were talking about it and as they were all talking they were there at the same time as omar and so they're all talking blah 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 blah. everybody's ignoring the fact that i think they heard a bang and so they're all talking and everybody's like oh my gosh did you hear that and they all look over and the freaking bed is all dismantled and they were like did one of you guys do that and they're all like no we were all over here freaking out about this right so it's like spirit distracted them while they because they were like Oh, so you think we're neat freaks and we got to make the bed all the time. Well, watch this. Bam. And they messed up the bed. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. Crazy. So then Omar and his crew are up there and they're just kind of chilling out and blah, blah, blah and talking. And, and all of a sudden, <laughs> oh my God, I got chills again. The bed, because it's like a, it's a metal frame bed, which is, you know, a mattress. Or it's old, old style. The, it starts shaking up and down like like somebody's grabbing like the the headboard of it and uh-huh. just like lifting bam, it up bam, and down bam, oh bam, my god bam, oh bam. fuck no. and they were like what the hell how's that do-? and they even were like looking under it okay. after and they're like because they want to know like is there a way that this could be rigged that right. they're the the people here are trying to freak us out right no fuck no and then you know things like the chandelier would shake, you know, swing and stuff like that. But that shit right there, that'd be enough for me. Yeah, no. Bed I mean, for shaking, me, like, if well, the bed is shaking with me in it, <laughs> if even if I'm not in it and watching it across the room shake, I'd be like, bye. Oh no, bye. that happens to me. Like if I'm going to bed at night and like sometimes they hit it a little too hard and it freaks me out a little bit, little bit. Like I and I'll think oh shadow just jumped on the bed and then i look and no cat oh it was you guys can you just be a little more gentle like i like to feel spirit touching my you know it's like they're tucking me in right but sometimes if they hit it a little too hard that gets a little too that's a little too freaky for like hey all right do you ever say stop and they leave you alone of course yeah like they listen or you could tell them you know hey i don't like this can you just go away Anyway, what I did notice, though, is like when they were using this spirit box, I want to get a hold of this chick with the G team because when she was using, there was one time and I didn't even catch on until, you know how I say like when they go into these haunted places and they're taking pictures and they're like, oh, there's orbs here. Do you see those? And blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I always say like, not only is it spirit that may have lived there, but it's your loved ones, your guides, your angels are there too, right? Right. didn't think about that with the spirit box. So they're sitting there talking with the spirit box. And the first couple of times I hear spirit talk, I was like, I, I think they're, t- I, I think talking, they're to talking to her. I think it's her loved ones. So then I listen a little more and I realize she keep, they keep asking the same questions over and over like, who's in this room? Are you safe? Is there heaven? What's heaven like? And of course they're getting things like, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's bright. 
and then they'd get things um every once in a while she'd get she said um was somebody there to greet you and and grandmother is what was her as soon as I got that one I was like I don't think I think that's for her and then uh she went upstairs in the attic and she said this trunk was owned by a a guy named Gary and he's attached to it and that was my son's name and as soon as she said that I was I heard it's her son Gary who's trying to talk to her so I was like god I wish I knew if her son was on the other side because I just I heard that he was, but I want validation. Right. No shit. She says, in like a little while longer, she's like talking to spirit. And she says, did you hang yourself? My son, Gary, hung himself the same way oh, you did. Wow. And I was like, oh, I got chills. I'm like, I need to talk to this lady because I'm, I'm hearing you should, her people. You should, you should reach out yeah. I'm totally hearing her people through her YouTube. And while they're talking in the spirit box, it's like I was getting more explanations of it and realizing all that spirit talk in the box. It was her loved ones. And then they were saying things like, oh, Deb is here. Oh, Amy. Hi, Amy. I love you, Amy, or whatever. And it was... Was she picking up on it at all? No, it was the the friends that were with her. And they all think that then the house spirit know who each of them is they're not realizing it's their loved ones realizing oh cool they opened a door and we could talk to them so we're going to talk to them here that house isn't ugly energy it's loving energy so there's tons of it when when all these ghost hunters are going there they're opening the door for communication so why wouldn't their loved ones be like oh we could talk to them now and run over there and talk to them. But, the, but they're so in, thrusted into this, like, oh, the ghost of the house. They're not open. They're not open to the possibility. See, we only see what's right. in front of us. Right. Like what's right here. So they're not going. Oh wait, three feet in front of me. My family could be coming through and talking to me. So I'm like, I need to talk to this woman. What's that theory that usually it's the simplest explanation is the answer to the question? Like I try to tell people all the time, if it's too complicated, it isn't true. Right. Everything that they teach me is very simple, flat out. No, you know, we don't have to do this like We complicate things. We do. I complicate things all the time. (laughs) We do it. For myself. We do. We do it. That's what makes our lives so interesting. Anyway, I think, yeah, that's it. I'm done. But isn't that I mean, I'm sure I, I might be missing something, but... Oh, wait, the Jehovah part. Oh. So they were doing an EVP, and at one point, you know, they'd say uh, something about, like, who who was there just to greet you or something like that, and one time, or who's here with us, and they'd say, God. And then there was this one time, and they said, who was there to greet you? And they say, clear as day. Jehovah. What? Oh my <laughs> yeah. And so then I was like, that's massive. And that goes to exactly what they tell me. Like, he tells me to call him God. Like, when I was having my meditation and I hear, but I am God. Like, you call me God, Carlene. You could tell everybody else to call me Santa Claus, but you call me God. Right. I think it's whoever you, de- whatever you decide to call him, is he's going to answer to. Does right. that make sense? Right. So, it's the same energy. So, when they said, who's there with you? Jehovah. That's 
the same energy when they said, who's here with us? God. It's going to be the same energy. And then if they said, you know, if it was somebody who called God Yahweh. Yeah. Or Allah. Allah. Yeah, that was going to be my next example. Then they would be like, Allah, because that's the language we understand. Right. God is the understanding and language for me. Jehovah is the understanding language for your mom, right? Right. And so it's your understanding for you. So if you speak Spanish, spirit's going to speak Spanish. Like I get people that they'll say, well, my family doesn't speak English. So how are you going to understand what they're saying? To me, they will talk my language. They'll speak English because it's telepathic communication that we're having from the other side. I think it would get a little confusing for um, Hispanic families, especially about Jesus. Yeah. They'll be like, it's Jesus. Jesus? (laughs) Yeah, Jesus. I'm the guy that used to mow your lawn. Wait, is it Jesus or Jesus? Which one are you? Jesus. It's the same thing. (laughs) Well, just like George or Jorge, which one are you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's why I tell people, like, I don't call, I'm not going to label that for you. I call him God because that's what our deal is. That's what our agreement is. I just care that you have faith in something greater than yourself because if you don't, it could be a really hard, probably lonely road at times, especially if you have kids and one of them gets sick or something. Who are you going to yell out to? Right. Santa Claus. <laughs> then I'm cool with that. You yell to Santa Claus to help you. Yep. Just, I think so. I think my kid, I have one to that believe calls... in something higher than yourself. Right. Oh, Absolutely. I think I just growled into the microphone. <laughs> You're welcome. That was not something possessed coming out of me or was it as we're speaking about higher powers (laughs) not the lower powers hey he created it anyway that's it so that that to me was a badass story i love that story i love that there was so much activity yeah those are those are my favorite that wasn't even all the activity that was just like a nickel of it crazy that was a clever speaking of activity that was a clever little way of saying nickel of it carlene that was cool I love when you talk to yourself in third person. <laughs> I just sounded she like a ventriloquist. <laughs> that just sounded like somebody from like the fifties. Just a nickel. <laughs> Golly gee. Boy, you're nifty. Beaver, why'd you do that again? Oh, beef. Gee, beef. <laughs> what possessed them to uh, name you, him beef? <laughs> why? Why? Who were they mad at? The actor, maybe? I don't know. Oh, uh, speaking of hauntings and activity, I hope we get a lot of activity in our next oh, show. God, I keep getting chills. I know. Well, okay. it's the no, fan. No, it's like spirit crossing through me chills. I'm hoping it's just a fan. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Don't, don't, don't. Hey, you know what the worst thing is? Is when, like, for these women, I, I'm, I don't know how to get a hold of these women. Right. But, like, their loved ones could, like, hey, Carlene, you heard us. I bet you if you go on their YouTube, they have, like, a little... If you do the little click the down arrow, yeah, you could probably find contact information. Or they have a website and with contact could information. Be. It has to be a private thing. I'm not going to like announce that. Right. <laughs> That's a personal thing. Even though I just announced it to all of you people. Oh. All 10 of our people listeners. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, we're, we're upwards of 100 and something. So. Woo! Tell your Woo-hoo! friends. Um, 
Yeah. People might be embarrassed to tell their friends. They listen yeah. to <laughs> I listen to this podcast. What did, I don't know if I want to tell you. I don't know. They're kind of, I don't know. Don't, don't judge me. I don't want to admit don't that judge me. Funny. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. Well, that was our Tuesday night. Oh, my God. It's only Tuesday. It's Tuesday. How is it only Tuesday? We'll pretend it's Friday. Well, it's our Friday. It is. It's Friday. my Friday. Every day it's a Friday. <laughs> Anyways, that's our show, you guys. Hope you guys uh, join us next week um, when we go live on Instagram. For sure, we're going live on Instagram um, from the hotel room. I can't believe we're doing that. No, we're doing it. It's coming up. We're doing it. We're doing it. Yes. So that's two weeks from now. Yes. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. I'm Alma. I'm Carlene. Good night. Good night. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Tipsy Tales. Music by Jesse Pesqueda, artwork by Sergio Hernandez. And if you're listening on iTunes, please don't forget to rate and review. Thanks.